Dun 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 Welcome everybody. Side of the front side podcast episode twenty three. Boys are back in town. That's right. We're experimenting with some new theme music here. So, but it's the only rule has got to be acapella. So, pitch perfect three. The front side. <laughs> <laughs> this is the world's greatest box office failure. Uh, so yeah, this is actually kind of a crossover episode, right? Like uh, we have uh, uh, Mitch. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? And you're uh, you run the Gaslight Podcast, and you do lots of other stuff. Uh, so, but can you introduce yourself and tell us what what kind of stuff you do and um, why you're world famous, etc.? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm a I'm a developer. I, I work at a company called Gaslight in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, I've been working here for, I don't know, maybe it's getting close to three years now and doing a lot of consulting work, right? We're an agency, you know, going from project to project and uh, just trying to deliver to companies from, you know, different sizes from startups to, you know, big Fortune 500 companies and, and looking to use Ember uh, anywhere that I can in that whole process. Uh, I mean, beyond that, you know, I've been trying to get more involved with the Ember community. So I've been trying to sort of uh, get involved with committing stuff. And, you know, I've been to the last uh, two Ember comps as well. Uh, starting to sort of start up a few libraries as well, so that, that's kind of where I'm at with my my journey. Sweet. Yeah, I noticed you've also been uh, pretty active, submitting some pull requests uh, to some pretty uh, deep, dark, and dank uh, corners of the Ember code base lately. Yeah, I mean, I worry that I'm really just giving people like uh, big stress reactions because every time I, I submit one of these things, people say, "Oh man, I don't know." If we can. <laughs> and I'm like, "I'm like, all right, just don't worry about it. Just no, 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 no. We'll we'll get someone to look at it. We're gonna we're gonna do this." So it's been it's been really cool. So um, yeah, where so where have you been poking around mostly? Well, yeah, I mean, I was so I kind of was inspired by uh, some of that work that Martin um, Munoz did uh, in the view layer when he converted things to streams. Uh, I mean, I was just sort of fascinated by that entire idea that, you know, when, when HTML bars was, I mean, this is my perspective, when HTML bars was kind of stalled out, you know, he started sort of poking around there and introducing this new abstraction and sort of was able to bring everything around as far as I could tell. And, you know, looking in this part of the code uh, that kind of handles like watchers and observers and, and that kind of stuff, you know, it was very sort of like that old style. And I thought like, this seems like the same sort of, problems where we're sort of like chaining uh, things together. You know, this seems like something that could be approached the same way. And I thought, well, how am I ever going to get started with this? Because it's just crazy, hairy stuff. And yeah. so I sort of start digging in and and refactoring. And after I did some of that, because, you know, that's really the only way I find I can understand code. Sometimes I read it and I say to myself, oh, yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. And then when I actually start poking at it, playing around, I'm like, oh, wait, this does something totally different. So I, you know, I try to sort of uh, contribute some of those refactorings upstream and that was just a, an interesting process in and of itself because, you know, you come to find out that there is sort of two different styles of coding. You know, there is the coding that is done for humans, which is the kind of coding we would like to do all day. And then there's the kind of coding that's kind of like for machines where it's, you know, it's okay to duplicate things. You know, you're really thinking about, all right, if this is a hot code path, you know, what's going to happen in the compiler, you know, to, to de-op this thing. And it's just a different perspective that's been really interesting to learn about. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. So I have one question. Can can you say sure. in two sentences what is a chain node, and uh, or what is a chain? What is a chain node, and how does it affect us uh, when we're doing our day to day stuff? 
Yeah, wow. So that I, I wish I had prepared a perfect sentence. I've already wasted my sentence, haven't I? No. Uh, so. <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. <laughs> there you have it. Jay knows. No one knows. So basically, when you go and you create a computed property or an observer and you say something like, you know, my special array dot at each dot some property, uh, there's some kind of magic that has to go on wherein you will set up a, a sort of a chain of observers uh, that will watch each one of those things. So, you know, you now need to watch, uh, you know, your sort of thing that you're observing. And then there's that each proxy in there. And then you need to watch all of those things. So it's kind of the process of setting up a chain of observing things. And, and you know, this gets deep into uh, so It's like a domino chain almost. What's that? Would, it's like a, a chain of dominoes, so to speak. Where you, it's like a you chain can, of dominoes where they all fall, yeah. Like you can observe the head of the chain, and, and, but really... It, uh, and then your browser site faults. <laughs> and then your browser site faults. Yeah, and there's, you know, there's the caching and cache invalidation and just sort of notifications that go up and down this chain uh, to let things you know, know that something's happened. A lot of this, you know, it feels kind of globally type stuff. It's all in that under-under... Ember under meta under under variable, you know, you just kind of put all these things on there, like chain watchers and like watchers and and caches and stuff. And uh, all in all, it's, it's kind of gnarly, which is why I was interested in, in looking at it and seeing if there was some way to to switch it around. And the other thing that's interesting to me about computer properties is I see some issues pop up on GitHub about you know how they don't quite behave exactly as people would expect. Sometimes, um, for instance, I guess if you change an underlying computed property, it will, you know, if you, if you depend on a, a certain property and that property underneath changes, um, it's not necessarily guaranteed that that thing's going to recompute the way these work, especially when you get these long chains. Really? Uh, or it might recompute when it shouldn't. Uh, there's just some weird behavior there that I was interested in kind of pulling apart. So I'm really just getting started there. So huh. okay. I don't have well, too much insight. But. <laughs> so, so, but there's, it's, it sounds like, like you start digging into the internals of it and you realize like, uh, the the abstractions that we build on top of aren't you know aren't flawless and they even they require some some maintenance and and uh, I, I'm curious to know as you've come to understand those like how how has it changed your relationship to Ember at all in and the way that you approach your own code or is it just something like uh, uh, just improvements that you feel like you could see in uh, in Ember that might be beneficial to other people I'm wondering if it changes the way that you approach uh, the way that you actually write your code. I mean, I think it just emphasizes certain things that I think you probably hear around the community from time to time, which is, you know, when you're using observers, like, maybe think twice, you know, is there a different way to do this uh, sort of thing? Uh, it's definitely kind of, you know, emphasize the the need to do things like the idempotent re-render branch, or I guess Glimmer, I should call it, uh, you know, where that, that observation stuff becomes less important because you're always re-rendering. It's more just about, like, keeping that cache around and the observers don't matter as much. So I think... Definitely embracing this sort of more React style of rendering things, I can just see all the the great benefits there um, as they you know as that stuff plays out. I mean, the other thing is I you know I'm just I'm always fascinated by how you know how do we make progress in technology, and I just think it's so interesting that what we come up with primitives like you know you can think of promises or you know, that kind of stuff or when, you know, streams have become very popular. Now, when we come up with these primitives and we all have like a shared understanding of what they mean, it's just amazing how that changes what we're able to do and how well we're able to do it. And I don't even understand it all yet, but Martin, I had a little conversation with him and he was explaining how, you know, there's no need for this meta property with streams and 
and you know streams are much more lazy by nature and mm-hmm. and can result in a lot less work being done by the system and it's just it's just so cool how you know we can make advances by just sort of changing the way we look at things it's all about just our own human minds you know it's it's all about just making things that we can understand better so mm. I don't know. Those are sort of the takeaways, the stuff that I, I've found really interesting digging in. That's cool. And and then you gave at EmberConf, you gave a uh, a really awesome lightning talk that we were everybody had our, <laughs> that I was around was like looking at each other like, oh my gosh, this is it. Well, I just stole I stole all that stuff from you guys. I didn't want anyone to know. <laughs> it's awesome. It's like, I just came up with this all by myself. Yeah. So well, we have <laughs> then then we have like this really uh, great mutual admiration society thing going. But let's break out of that a little bit and uh, and yeah. talk about the idea itself. So the idea that the idea is uh, I think is well well put together, well marketed, well uh, it's well packaged and it's actually, um, it's something that we try to pitch to people, this idea of refactoring toward Ember using components, um, as one possible way of taking an existing, uh, messy code base. I think I hear this problem a lot. People have mm-hmm. this, you know, a messy, gross code base. How can they possibly refactor that? Um, and so I wanted to talk to you and, and pry into that a little bit about, uh, some, some specifics that I've seen and heard in other people's code bases, um, but the idea that, that you came up with was packaging this up and, and uh, calling it Ember Islands, which is a super cool like idea of these islands of, of additional functionality. Um, yeah, islands of richness is where that name kind of came from. Uh, where did that term come from? Did did well? I don't know who originally coined that, but I always heard that in relation to Backbone was that you know I think this might be a DHH ism. I know the sprinkles of JavaScript is definitely a DHH ism. Uh, but the idea that you know you'd have a page and everything's rendered on the server, but there's this one part, like there's this calendar widget that's really intense, and that needs to be like an island of richness. Mm-hmm. So you know you don't want your entire app to be rendered client side, but there's just these little spots where you want something going on. And sometimes, sometimes that's exactly what you need. And so yeah. Ember has never really done a great job positioning itself for that. And in in reality, our experience is um, it you have to open the uh, open the box a little bit and see what's inside, but yeah. but it's there. Um, and mm-hmm. so you kind of created this path that looks pretty blessed. Like I think now, if the core team breaks so breaks this, like this is uh, it, it looks like pretty publicly consumed API. So the core team can't really break this, and um, it looks like this should be a strategy that should continue to work for people uh, long term. Whereas we've had to modify ours several times. Mm. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, I mean, I, I found that it's worked across Ember and uh, different Ember versions. And I saw recently somebody released some kind of helper to help you test across different Ember versions, which I'm really excited mm-hmm. about trying. Uh, but yeah, you know, right now I'm using that component uh, lookup thing that's actually on the container, and it seems like it's been around for a while. So hopefully that remains um, you know, consistent and not breaking. But the recent thing that I added was uh, some people were asking to be able to start up their Ember app in one case and not run their router. So they had like a legacy Rails app, and they also had a new Rails app. And they kind of wanted to use some of the functionality in the new app, like their components in the old app. But to do that, they had to have a way to sort of stop this whole boot up process, you know, rendering the application layout and the, uh, actually, I guess I should say template, application template and the, the route. And that was uh, kind of interesting. I think that was probably a less blessed path that I found mm-hmm. uh, there. And I think what Tom's been doing with Fastboot is, is really kind of helping that out because you can say, you know, hey, don't boot up my Ember app. But it gets more complicated than that because there's, there's you know just kind of like a handful of things that happen when an Ember app boots up, and one of those is sort of setting up all the event system in your app. So Fastboot doesn't need that, right? Because it's running in Node, no one's going to be clicking on anything there, so it, it doesn't start that up. So I kind of had to find a, another way around that, 
And I don't know, I think that would be an opportunity for Ember definitely to kind of take that whole boot process and sort of make it more piecemeal, like, okay, I just want the event dispatcher. I don't want you to set up an application route. You know, I'm not using a router, but I, you know, I need you to start rendering on the page. All that kind of stuff I think would be a, a cool way to, to keep moving that stuff forward. Okay. That, I, think it's, um, I think it's a, a really cool idea, and I think it's, uh, it looks pretty well executed, and it looks thought through. Well, it's, it's funny to me. This is like one of these libraries. I made it, and then I'm thinking, like, best case scenario, you would never need to use this. You know, I think <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those libraries where it's like, well, you're, you know, you're already kind of having a bad time, probably. You know, you've got this app, and you're like, oh, like, I, am I going to like bring Backbone into this thing? You're like, oh, here's this escape hatch. I can give this a try. So it's one of these things that hopefully it gets you through a bind and works really well. And I'm, I feel like, you know, you could go pretty far with it. But it's one of these things that, like, ideally, if you if I had all the all my ways, you know, I would kind of not use it, which is kind of a funny thing to make. Well, I think I, I, yeah. maybe maybe but like can, a shim, or you know, like in in that way where eventually you could uh, remove it. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be the yeah, goal. It's all about that refactoring process. Yeah. But I mean, it is. I mean, it's true. This is something you know. This is something we've done time and time again, and you know, it's so that you can realize that world that uh, that should be, not the world that is. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing this a lot recently with uh, React. I've got a client who's very concerned about SEO stuff, and and uh, you know, they've also have developers that are very comfortable in Rails. So we're like, all right, islands of islands of richness, you know, with React. And uh, there's some React libraries that do similar things to this. So that's kind of where some of those ideas came from. So I, I had a couple questions down down the line on this. Um, so sure. you had you had uh, I, I kind of want to explore some of the the potential use cases for this because I I think maybe I'm not even sure that you've even thought of of some of this stuff yet. So like the examples that I have are I've been talking to people that are excited about this and they are working in these big ugly gross jQuery code bases and they want to take pieces of it and uh, pull a piece out of the jQuery code base at a time and run this sort of in parallel. Uh, and like you said, as it could be a shim. The ultimate best case scenario is that you, you don't need this, but people yeah. live and work in the real world and yes. their code sucks and it's, you know, yes. it's three years old and it was written in this sort of maybe they have backbone. More than likely, it's just a bunch of jQuery kind of piled together. And you, you, have the, you could create this parallel track uh, alongside this. And and the question I have about that, the thing that actually makes it a little tricky for me is the fact that um, it uses Ember CLI. And when we started mm. doing this, it was, hey, just drop this Ember stuff in your existing pipeline. And and uh, this is part of your JavaScript build and let your existing build tools do this. And now introducing Ember CLI. So I'm wondering if you have any experience of taking that Ember CLI and adding that to an existing app um, or what you might suggest for those people. Oh yeah, so I mean, you're kind of talking more about just moving to Ember CLI in general. I guess first, I want to say, you know, why I think this is a good approach over just using sort of the global style with Ember. I mean, you know, we all know that Ember is moving towards Ember CLI, and the benefits you get from using Ember CLI is just so much that I just can't even imagine wanting to go back to you know using the Rails asset pipeline for this, just because you know you get testing and the speed and and just so many so many great things so that's why i kind of was more focused on this ember uh, cli path in the in the apps that that i was building but the whole idea of converting to ember cli is pretty interesting i we just had a meetup here and somebody was doing a, a demo of how they're moving their pretty large uh, rails app over to you know using ember cli and they had an interesting uh, hopefully I'm going to record this soon and I can share it with people. But they had this interesting technique where they kind of went through and annotated their code with comments as they went. Uh, 
And each time they, you know, change the code in their Rails uh, app, you know, might say something like remove Ember CLI remove or Ember, Ember CLI add. So they continued working on their Rails app, but each time they changed a file, it would commit and, and run it against their uh, Ember CLI app. So they're kind of like developing these two apps in parallel. And once their entire test suite is passing uh, in that parallel app, the idea is that they can just turn off the, the Rails asset pipeline part. And one of the things that I thought was so interesting at the end of this talk, you know, he was demoing this and, you know, it took about a second and a half to do this where it sort of, you changed a file, it compiled everything, removed based on these comments, added based on these comments and, and got it up and running. And I, th- I think he said that in the Rails asset pipeline, when, when they made a change, like if it was a fresh change, it took three to four minutes for their code to update. And he could do this entire crazy process, you know, with Grunt and Ember CLI and it took about a second and a half. So, I mean, just those kind of gains are, are insane. But that, that's one thing I've heard about uh, people trying to move from uh, sort of that global style to the Rails, uh, to the Ember CLI style. That's, uh, I'd never heard of that technique. Do you know, did they write it up anywhere or put it on a, in a, like? He presented it at a, at, a, at a user group here, our Ember Natty user group. And then we don't have our recording equipment set up because we just moved and we don't have like cables that are long enough. So <laughs> oh, hopefully uh, I will get him to record it. He said he will record it. Uh, later, they're going to keep going, and they think they're pretty close to being able to switch over. So he'll be able to do like a whole post, you know, look back and at how it worked. So I, I am committed to getting that up online somewhere. That's awesome. Yeah, I would, I'd love to see that. For, yeah. But for people who are looking to just drop in like Ember Islands and not do like kind of this wholesale thing, it is you are going to have to introduce a new build step uh, into your application, but you don't have to get rid of the asset pipeline completely. Like I. I I mean, uh, like Ember CLI Rails is capable of building just a tiny little application. Am I, is, mm-hmm. is that correct? Like even yeah. if it has one or two components, um, you can still add it fairly seamlessly uh, to your existing Rails application. Is that, yeah. is that a true? I'm, I'm saying that more as like a, a question than a Wishful. statement. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have, it's been actually a while since I've done a, a Rails asset pipeline uh, Ember thing. I know that what I have now in Ember Islands is not, well suited to be dropped into uh, that kind of style of application. I mean, maybe I could look into that, but I think today, I think the Ember CLI route, you know, it is an Ember CLI add-on is kind of the only way to go with that. Uh, mm-hmm. But definitely, the, the, the same idea could certainly be adapted to that environment, I would say. Right. Well, I mean, so, but I'm talking, like, uh, the, the, there's an actual gem, the Ember CLI Rails gem, yeah. um, which will just build any number of Ember CLI apps as part of the, the mainline yes. Rails build. Um, and so you're saying you haven't tested it with that, or is, is there any I've, like perceived incompatibility there? Uh, there's nothing I perceive, I guess, because I haven't uh, tried it yet. <laughs> All right, but uh, no, that'd be interesting to to try out. That, that, you know, that's another technique here is that instead of having one Ember application running, you have many Ember applications running, mm-hmm. and in a way, that's kind of a little bit simple because you kind of just set your root element on your Ember application, right? You just let them all boot up, and they can run their um, application route and all that stuff, and it it should just work. So, I mean, that's that's a whole other approach you can take. I was really, I really thought it was cool that you know with this approach you make all these components, but they're really sharing an app under the hood. So you can, you know, you can share like these services and stuff between them, and mm-hmm. there's just a lot of you know cool things you can do when it is all part of one app. Right. Um, but yeah, the other way to go is definitely to have multiple Ember apps. Mm, that's a lot to think about. It is a lot to think. <laughs> it's about. like that's I had never tried anything like that. It sounds crazy, but it probably would work. 
Yeah, I mean, it's one of these things that I've 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 used it on one project, the Ember Islands thing. But beyond that, it's like you know, I need other people to tell me what their use cases are, and I think it'd be really fun to try to contribute some of that stuff back up to Ember. You know, I mean, I guess my main concern, the reason I built this thing, was that you know, I get sad when we have to make these decisions and people are talking about using Backbone or or Angular, or and right now I'm using React, which I think is actually a tremendous library. But you know, I just am looking for more opportunities to be able to use Ember on my projects and, mm-hmm. and tell clients, like, "Hey, I'm just building your app. Don't worry about what the technology is underneath." So this was a, a means to get there, and I know you guys feel that too, being a consultancy. I'm sure. Yeah, you yeah. you want to you want to apply the right solution to the to to a given problem, but I think there's a lot of, I think people can be overly nice about it. And say, mm-hmm. uh, like, it's a little bit of a cop-out to say, you know, just use the right thing for the right problem. Well, sometimes, really what it comes down to is is a lot of times the decision is political or there's a lead developer that has a preference or whatever. My experience is more that Ember, React, and Angular can each solve a wide range of problems. And there is a lot of overlap between the problems that mm-hmm. they can solve. Everything from small bits of functionality all the way up to scaling to a large app. A lot of people, when they do these sort of comparisons, will say like, "Oh, well, use Reactor, you know, use Reactor, the uh, current version of Angular, for a small problem." Um, or if you have a larger problem, Ember or or Angular two is probably going to suit you better. And my experience is that if you learn a tool really well, you can solve that same range of problems really, really well. And so there's not a lot of temptation for us to go, "Hey, this might be a better fit for React because X Y Z." When in reality, Ember will solve that pretty well. We know it really well. Um, and if you were using React, you, the tooling has stretched out toward the larger app with addi- additions like React Router. So yeah. so for us, I love the idea of uh, of being able to tell somebody, if you like Ember and you find yourself philosophically aligned with Ember, you shouldn't have to say no to stuff just because the popular conventional wisdom is that Ember is for larger applications because in reality it sprinkles in pretty nicely in our experience. And so seeing something like Ember Islands come along, the only concern I have is whether the community uh, is okay with getting behind that message or whether it's like, you know what, it's just not an important enough use case for us to, to really focus on. But I can tell you from experience after giving this talk at RailsConf last year, People have come up to me multiple times since then. You know, this is just me getting up and making jokes in front of a bunch of, a bunch of people mm-hmm. and sharing a technique I stole from Charles. Like, this is not, this is not, you know, I didn't was not doing science. Uh, but I, I got some reactions from people saying, hey, this talk, the ability to sprinkle this in saved a project that was in, in Ember, but we couldn't figure out how to, how to uh, move forward. Yeah. And, and so you actually have an opportunity to bring this nice technology into people's projects, into their lives, and help get them out of jQuery hell because you're providing uh, sort of an on-ramp into a nicer style of work. So- yeah, I, you know, one thing that I'm really involved with is um, teaching Ember. Uh, I made uh, Tilda's uh, introduction to Ember course that they have online, and and I'm looking into, we're, we're doing more and more of these uh, in-person trainings and stuff. And I think the main feedback, like I was here, and I feel like a little bit guilty about is delivering people these nicely packaged Ember apps that are just like pristine. And by the way, the API just works perfectly with Ember data. So here's a little node server, and you just save, and everything works. You know, everyone's <laughs> always asking for a little more reality. You know, they're like, well, listen, I work with C Sharp, and like, here's how our APIs work. Like, how do I make that stuff? Where it's like, well, that's way beyond the scope of this course, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, all that stuff is. And, you know, hey, I've got a big Rails app, and I am interested in using Ember. How do I get from here to there? And I think, you know, I always feel bad when I'm delivering these little cookie cutter 
uh, Rails things when it's like, you know, people are really struggling with, you know, the integration right. points and then how do I make this actually work for me? But you'd be surprised at how much of a lever, like, and so just, I want to give you many kudos because it may not feel like <laughs> a big deal to you to have created this. Um, and so like stuff like I've been through uh, your online training, it's phenomenal. Um, I think everybody should just run out and immediately buy it. Uh, uh, it's grueling to make. You have no idea I, no, what it's I like do. to make I so do. many screencasts. Trust me. We I do. almost went insane. <laughs> I would have these meetings with, with Tom and he would just be like, Mitch, like you, you can make it. Like we're so close. Like, and I would just be like so dejected. Oh. He's like, you're going to be famous. This is going to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is it. So I just realized we never even said your last name because we assumed everybody knows you uh, on a first name basis. You're too Mitch on Twitter. So Mitch Lloyd. So, so yes. So I just want to say you're famous now, officially. Oh, everyone, everyone knows you. <laughs> the gaslight trainings are amazing. It's pretty much, uh, it's pretty much crazy from here on out. <laughs> All right. Yeah. It's going to be hard to go outside and get lunch. For you, uh, are you that guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I recognize your voice. I actually had one person recognize my voice, by the way, at EmberConf, which was like, that is it. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh. awesome. Oh, man. Um, yeah. So, uh, but, but the other thing about that is, uh, like you said, the, you're in this process of teaching people and it's grueling, but so, so I don't want you to under, uh, uh, undersell or underestimate how valuable that stuff is for getting, um, people at a certain experience level over the first hump, which is these concepts, right. grokking the concepts is vastly harder than you think it is. Because uh, you because you forget how how natural it seems to come to you now, but like the months and months that I spent banging my head on trying to break my brain from the server side style of MVC oh, yeah. and understand Ember's way of nesting views and contexts and all that stuff, and and well, you do a great job of that. You know, I think the thing I'm most excited about with Ember, like as I see it today, is how it is simplifying itself. And I look at the things uh, we used to teach, and like just all the helpers, like the render helper and even like the partial helper and yeah. just this so many things like okay this is a controller this is not an item controller this is that and just like the idea of components it's just going to cut down the curriculum a lot and just let us focus on building UIs and you know bind adders the special case and you know I, I'm just I'm so excited that Ember has these sort of better primitives and you know looking at some of the work that Tom and Yehuda are doing where they've you know like replaced container view for instance with you know components and an each helper and. I, you know that that stuff to me is just really exciting because it means we can we can teach more things in that class and people can come out of there and actually be able to build more things faster and not have to be looking at the APIs as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. It has felt like the last like year. It's like uh, watching it do less and less and less and less. Yeah. Uh, whereas usually you think of a growth trend as proceeding in the opposite direction. Yeah, I mean, like um, in I mean, it obviously is is doing it's doing more, but uh, it's appearing to do less. Or you yeah, have to say, do less. Yeah, in that training, like we never say the word view and we never say the word controller, and it's amazing that we can build the entire app that way. That's that's terrific. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm glad for all the training materials I have to throw away now. I'm so glad. <laughs> oh, no. Nothing quite like a dead abstraction. <laughs> no, uh. I, 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 I mean, it sucks to put effort into something and have to have to shut it down. But like, no, it's it's great. Like, I love having to teach less and. I had this really great metaphor for controllers being proxies, and I called it uh, the quesadilla. Oh, yeah. Where like the burrito inside was the model, and the quesadilla that it wraps around it was the controller. Like, and I was like, I'm, gl- you know what? The fact that, that would it just 
Yeah, that would just make me too hungry to learn. <laughs> but yeah, it never took. I thought it was a great analogy, though. It's too complicated, but it's yeah, too complicated a food. If it's too complicated a food, it's probably too complicated a concept. <laughs> Wait, is that the rule? Like, if it's too complicated, yeah, that's the food, new litmus test for, for abstractions. Exactly. <laughs> hmm. If, can I make an analogy to a food? It's like yeah, it's like a hamburger. It's like a hamburger with breakfast cereal in it, or something. Like that. <laughs> you should just not have to make the analogy in the first place. But the, the direction – I think you're right. I think this year is going to be the direction where a lot of people are able to grok these things really quickly and they'll have tools. So you've built, helped build that first layer of abstraction for people of bringing people up to speed on, on the basics and the concepts. And this year is going to be about taking people and connecting those concepts now to their real-life applications. So I'm giving a talk at Fluent this year in April called Ember in the Real World. I think it's in mm-hmm. April. Maybe, maybe some later than that. I don't know. But the idea of, you know, okay, how do you, you know, make these mesh with my own crazy APIs? How do you do stuff like drop it into an existing application? And that's where yeah. Ember Islands comes in. And uh, I think I think you're going to see this is the year where all, all that stuff start The rubber hits the road on a lot of that stuff, which is terrific. I think it's a sign of uh, a maturing uh, framework. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, let me know what kind of problems you guys run into. And, you know, I know I was talking with... Uh, Peter uh, WageNet, I think is how you say it. And he actually was across from me. It was weird because we were getting off the elevator. I was like, okay, see you later. And we, we was like across from me in the, the hotel at EmberConf. But, you know, he was saying, you know, anything in there that, you know, is useful is stuff that they want to continue to support and they know it's a big deal and, you know, they'd be committed to making sure that things from that get into Ember. So, you know, anything that you find that is a, a, a great use case, you know, let me know and I will try to address it as best I can. All right. All right. Well, we might be, just as a little teaser then, we might be actually embarking on embedding this into a, a Rails 2 application uh, oh boy. here um, in the next uh, next month or so. so oh, yeah. Um, Bef- I was going to say, before it's too late, Charles, I'm going to plug your um, xSelect uh, component that I've been using. I think that is like a perfect dovetail into what we've been talking about, how like taking something that was sort of a special use case, like a select, and just be like, hey, we can use these uh, little primitives that we have, and it works pretty great. I think everyone should check that out. Oh yeah, I heard I heard you talking about the uh, select component on your Gaslight podcast, and I was like, it is terrible. It is the yeah. worst. <laughs> it is it's like the ugliest corner of Ember. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, so. I remember we were fighting with it, and it was just like, wait, why don't we just use this, uh, uh, an actual select tag? Yeah, um, and and, and uh, that's kind of the direction that we went ahead. Charles has been working on a lot of these smaller level abstractions of, hey, wouldn't it be nice if there was an upload tool that would just like uh, you would hand it a, a thing, it would perform the XHR and have a progress attribute on it. Uh, allow you to do multiple uploads like but there's no markup you know you write the markup yourself it just yields to whatever markup you want to you want to write to it and and it's again we totally uh for me anyway i totally stole the concept of this style of component design from ryan florence a year ago at ember EmberConf. Mm. yep yep i remember that with his like very small you know his idea was that each each one of these things should be able to replace like real html like that's how it should work right you should be thinking you should be thinking hard if your component has a template at all Mm-hmm. Like it's it's okay, but uh, but if you have to have a template for your component, you need to rethink your design. Yeah, and and that's a that's an interesting design challenge, and it sounds a little backwards, but in reality, uh, when it comes time to use and reuse these things, if your components are describing a small amount of behavior that yield then inside to 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 do stuff, there there could be a whole class on this style of component design, and it's really nice to use. Yeah, and you know, really uh, the the addition of block parameters. Has really made the the component design APIs for when you've got collections of components working together a lot nicer, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, no, it's it's uh, there's a lot of great stuff 
yeah, a lot totally. of great, it, you know, it's going to get, we, we've seen like the, the simplifications and the removal of abstractions and like the, the enhancements of the core primitives over the past year. And there's just so much that, that, that process is just beginning. Yeah. Um, really. Uh, so yeah. Well, Mitch, I'm excited. Mitch, thank you. I'm excited. Thank you for, for, for the stuff that you do for the community for coming on and, and talking about it with us. And, uh, you guys are doing awesome stuff at Gaslight. I assume that you're available for hire. That that people can contact you guys for. Uh, do you guys do backend stuff as well? Yeah, I mean, you know, we are. If you look at the website, we're primarily a Rails shop, and we do all kinds of different stuff in in the front end. I mean, you know, Rails is kind of what we coalesce around, but spreading out to all different kinds of technologies, and we do do trainings. So that is a, another thing. That's awesome. No, you're fantastic. All right, Mitch. Thanks again, man. Thanks for thanks for jumping on and and joining us and and telling us about cool stuff happening in Emberland. All right. Thanks, guys. Love the podcast. All right. All right. Take care, man. See you. Bye.